Men emerge pale from the little printing plant at Four Sharp, ghosts for an instant, blinking, until the outdoor light overcomes the look of constant indoor light clinging to them. In winter, Pine Street at this hour is dark. Darkness presses down early from the mountain that hangs above the stagnant city of Brewer. But now in summer, the granite curbs starred with mica and the row houses differentiated by speckled bastard sidings, and the hopeful small porches with their jigsaw brackets and gray milk-bottle boxes, and the sooty ginkgo trees, and the baking curbside cars, wince beneath a brilliance like a frozen explosion. The city, attempting to revive its dying downtown, has torn away blocks of buildings to create parking lots, so that a desolate openness weedy and rubbled, spills through the once-packed streets, exposing church facades never seen from a distance, and generating new perspectives of rear entryways and half-alleys, and intensifying the cruel breadth of the light. The sky is cloudless yet colorless, hovering blanched humidity in the way of these Pennsylvania summers, good for nothing but to make green things grow. Men don't even tan— Filmed by sweat, they turn yellow. A man and his son, Earl Angstrom and Harry, are among the printers released from work. The father is near retirement, a thin man with no excess left to him, his face washed empty by grievances and caved in above the protruding slippage of bad false teeth. The son is five inches taller and fatter. His prime is soft somehow pale and sour. The small nose and slightly lifted upper lip that once made the nickname Rabbit fit now seem, along with the thick waist and cautious stoop bred into him by a decade of the linotyper's trade, clues to weakness, a weakness verging on anonymity. Though his height, his bulk, and a remnant alertness in the way he moves his head continue to distinguish him on the street, Years have passed since anyone has called him Rabbit. Harry, how about a quick one? His father asks. At the corner, where their side street meets Wiser, there is a bus stop and a bar. The Phoenix, with a girl nude but for cowboy boots in neon outside and cactuses painted on the dim walls inside. Their buses, when they take them, go in opposite directions. The old man takes number 16A around the mountain to the town of Mount Judge, where he has lived his life, and Harry takes number 12 in the opposite direction to Penn Villas, a new development west of the city. Ranch houses and quarter-acre lawns contoured as the bulldozer left them, and maple saplings tethered to the earth as if otherwise they might fly away. He moved there with Janice and Nelson three years ago. His father still feels the move out of Mount Judge as a rejection, and so most afternoons they have a drink together to soften the day's parting. Working together ten years, they have grown into the love they would have had in Harry's childhood had not his mother loomed so large between them. "'Make it a Schlitz,' Earl tells the bartender. "'Dackery,' Harry says." The air conditioning is turned so far up he unrolls his shirt cuffs and buttons them for warmth. He always wears a white shirt to work and after, 
as a way of cancelling the ink. Ritually, he asks his father how his mother is. But his father declines to make a ritual answer. Usually, he says, as good as can be hoped. Today, he sidles a conspiratorial inch closer at the bar and says, not as good as could be hoped, Harry. She has had Parkinson's disease for years now. Harry's mind slides away from picturing her, the way she has become, the loosely fluttering knobbed hands, the shuffling, sheepish walk, the eyes that study him with vacant amazement, though the doctor says her mind is as good as ever in there, and the mouth that wanders open and forgets to close until saliva reminds it. At nights, you mean? The very question offers to hide her in darkness. Again, the old man blocks Rabbit's desire to slide by. No, the nights are better now. They have her on a new pill, and she says she sleeps better now. It's in her mind more. What is, Pop? We don't talk about it, Harry. It isn't in her nature. It isn't the type of thing she and I have ever talked about. Your mother and I have just let a certain type of thing go unsaid. It was the way we were brought up. Maybe it would have been better if we hadn't. I don't know. I mean, things now they've put into her mind. Who's this they? Harry sighs into the daiquiri foam and thinks, He's going, too. They're both going. Neither makes enough sense. As his father pushes closer against him to explain, he becomes one of the hundreds of skinny, whining codgers in and around this city, men who have sucked this same brick tit for sixty years and have dried up with it.